Louise McSharry on 2FM. Helen Vaughan is with me in studio. So arguing, everybody has argued in their relationships, in their lives, but it is often seen as a negative thing, especially in relationships. But the reality is that arguing with your partner, it's pretty much unavoidable. I think we can all agree with that. But how do you do it without causing hurt and damage to your relationship? That sounds like a million dollar question. While we are tackling that topic today on how to be an adult with the help of Helen, who is a psychotherapist and Maynooth Counselling and with Maynooth Counselling and Psychotherapy. Helen, you're so very welcome. This is a fascinating subject. And when I told people I was coming on this show to fill in for Louise and was telling them what I was going to be doing, this was the one thing that people were like, right, I need to tune into this, which is probably a sign of the times. It's probably a sign that we've all been sitting at home for the last 18 months in the company of the same people. And it it is tricky at times. It's definitely tricky. And it's been a really tricky year and a half for everyone because I don't know if anyone has spent so much time with their partner or wife or husband or whatever as they have in the last year and a half. You know, and it's been hugely intense because, as you say, we spend so much time together. It's been a really difficult time, you know, in terms of the pressures that are on us with lockdown, with pandemic, around finance, around children, if you have them. There's just been so much going on. And I think people don't realise that actually you can learn to be a better partner. You're not stuck where you are now or how you came out of your family of origin kind of thing. You're not stuck with those habits, skills, if we want to call them that. You know, it is possible to change and grow and learn and develop. And arguing, I think, is a natural part of life. Some couples claim they don't argue, which I don't know about that. That to me implies that maybe someone's ignoring their own needs or they're letting the other person do and say whatever they want. Um, But there are ways to argue better or to fight better. And that's doing things like... If let's say we're in a relationship for the sake of an example and I'm unhappy with something that's happened in the house, maybe something you've done, rather than say, I think you are this or you always do that or you never do whatever it is. Can I say that when this happens, I feel this way? So I'm talking about my own point of view. So you can't really, although you probably will, argue with me (laughs) over my position. You can't really say, well, you don't feel sad when I don't talk to you when I come in from work and I go straight on my phone looking at Instagram or Twitter or whatever. You know, I do feel sad in that moment when you come in and you don't talk to me. And, um, you know, it's about using what we call I statements in the therapy room. So I feel this when X happens. So you're trying to explain your point of view and your position rather than, you're rude because you go on your phone for two hours every night. Do you know, do you see the difference there? Yeah, and I, I, what's hitting me from that is that there is a big difference between an argument and a fight. And if you can just get your point across, communicate, figure it out and come away from it with maybe both people feeling okay, that's probably good. But a fight is something completely different and often does maybe spill over a little bit and can fall into the the meanness that often comes when people get really agitated. It can. And I guess, you know, that's probably a good way to think about it, that an argument or a debate or a discussion or a chat is part of life and conflict is part of life. And when you get into fight territory, maybe one person in the moment, if if someone says something to you, sometimes you feel attacked and you might go straight to defensive and you might just say whatever it is to get yourself out of the situation. It might be mean, it might be name calling. And then straight away, you've got to a situation where you're in conflict and I'm not listening to you. You're probably not listening to me. I've probably said something mean to you. Therefore, your hackles are up. You're defensive. You say something back to me. And then we're in a just tit for tat. 
no, nothing helpful is happening usually at that point. You know, so the key is to try to approach someone in what we call, and it's very American, a soft startup that you don't say you never clean up after dinner <laughs> and I'm sick of it and I'm like a slave and blah, 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 blah. You know, you're like, I feel that the house is quite messy and I'm trying to do my best and I'd love some help with that. I know maybe it all does sound a bit American, but if you can just shift your communication away from you are or you should be or you're not to I feel this and I'm struggling with that and I'd love some help or do you know what I mean? There's yeah. a very different dynamic going on there that hopefully is less pointing the finger and more asking for help and support. The uh, housework thing now has triggered something in me. It does feel a lot that couples argue about the same things over and over again and that it's the same argument for nearly your whole life. But at what stage does this become a major problem and that they need to go and maybe talk to somebody like yourself? Well, I would say that it doesn't need to be a major problem to go for couples counselling. And I would love as a couples therapist if people came earlier so that they're not a crisis point. They're not at the point where one wants to walk out or they're barely speaking to each other. Or as you say, there's certain conflicts that have continued on for so long and never been repaired and never been resolved that the two people are almost sitting at two ends of the spectrum and they can't, they've lost their connection or their ability to like each other even. Um, you know, and of course I will say it because I'm a relationship therapist, but Go and get help if you feel you're not communicating, if you feel your connection isn't what it used to be. Because sometimes we lose track of the things that first attracted us to each other and the things we might have done together when we first met, especially with children, with lockdown, with jobs, with houses, with finance and with housework. Because the thing is, when we move in together, a lot of couples are in the honeymoon phase and everything's fine. And I'm never going to criticise the other person because I'm just so happy to be together. And often you need to negotiate the chores and who's going to do what and what is a fair, God forbid I use that word, <laughs> way to divvy things up. But what you're both OK with, what jobs you're happy to do, what jobs they're happy to do. Happy is probably the wrong word. But you know what I mean? It, it needs willing, to be negotiated. Willing is probably a good willing, word. <laughs> willing is a good word. But it needs to be negotiated. And a lot of couples don't do that. And I'll do that in the counselling room with you if it's part of the conflict. We'd be like, OK, who does the dishes? Who does the lawn? Who does the whatever? Even in terms of who goes to bed at what time? Are you happy to sleep in in the same room every night. Some couples sleep apart some night and they think that's the worst thing in the world. It isn't if it works for both of you. You know, it's about negotiating your kind of boundaries and what you're happy with the other person to do and you to do and to try to find a middle ground that's you're both willing to do. It's interesting just hearing you pick me up on thinking that to go to couples counselling, things must be at a certain stage or a, a worrying some space in the relationship. I was going to ask you about stigma being attached to, to couples counselling. Do you think that is still the case or are we a bit like mental health and, and, and counselling and, and people looking after themselves? Do you think that we're heading to a place where it's going to be normalised? I think we're getting there. Like I personally think through the pandemic in the last year and a half, I've never been busier in terms of obviously work with clients, but also with media requests and people wanting to talk about mental health. And I do think finally, hopefully we've got to a point where our mental health is part of the conversation. And I'm OK to tell you if you're my friend that I'm anxious or I'm depressed or I'm feeling whatever it is, whatever kind of hardship. And I do think we've, we've shifted into that somewhere like the States, I feel maybe has done this before Ireland did. So finally, I feel that stigma is lifting somewhat. With couples counselling, I'm not sure if it has so much. I would say again, we've never been busier than we have through parts of this year with couples counselling. So people are getting help, which is great. But I do wonder 
a lot of the time people say they don't tell their family. I had a couple who had my initials written on their calendar and a family member asked, who, who's, what's that about? And they didn't tell them what it was. And I was like, isn't that interesting that we still feel it's a shameful thing or that we're doing it because we're about to break up when it doesn't have to be at that level and it doesn't have to be shameful. And I think it's like your physical health, look after your mental health, you know, and it should be just OK. It should be we should be able to talk about it. Yeah, it should just help us all to function better because we are really, really busy and we've got a lot going on. And as you said, the pandemic has probably turned a lot of our lives on our heads as well and, and just on its heads and just trying to readjust to the world that we're living in now. And I know a lot of people will find themselves in difficult situations and speaking to somebody like you could probably go a long way with helping them. Well, if anybody does have any questions for Helen, please do send them in because they're starting to come in already. And as I said at the start of this uh, this segment, a lot of people were interested in what you had to say, Helen, because they can relate to the topic about arguments that you might be having at home. So do please uh, send us in and them into us and we're going to go through them very shortly. Louise McSharry on 2FM. Welcome back. Marie Crow here in for Louise McSharry and I'm delighted to be in the company of Helen Fawn, Director at Maynooth Counselling and Psychotherapy. And we are talking about arguing in relationships, whether or not it's healthy and whether or not we can argue better. Helen, one thing I want to touch on before we get into our listeners' questions is modelling and how we have learned to conduct our relationships, what we've seen growing up and how that impacts how we conduct ourselves now in our own current relationships. Yeah, well, it's a huge factor and it's something I will talk about to every client and also to every couple when I first see them is what was your family of origin? Who was in it? What happened? You know, any losses, big changes, separations, any of that. But basically what happens is when we're young, from the age of zero up to... any time, like however long you live with your family of origin, you're impacted by, let's say, your parents or your caregiver's relationship, the norms you learn about how people treat each other. So let's say if your parents are a man and a woman, um, how they talk to each other, how they treat each other, how they argue, particularly how conflict is dealt with. And I think in Ireland, a lot of families grew up where conflict was either ignored or not dealt with in front of children. So a lot of people learnt that I don't know how to deal with conflict. Therefore, I don't have the skills to see, you know, that I should talk to the person, that I should speak from my own point of view, ideally, and that if we have a fight, we should come back and repair and, you know, repair the damage but also apologise for it and kind of I guess try to resolve whatever went wrong be like well I thought this when you said that but now I see that the issue is actually the other Um, so what I would say is that the first three years of your life as a baby you learn attachment so this is slightly separate but related so how you were dealt with as a baby if you were listened to if your needs were met if when you cried someone picked you up if when you were hungry someone fed you you know if when you fell over someone comforted you you therefore learned to trust other people and that's how you learn empathy throughout your life and that's called attachment theory and if your needs weren't met when you were a baby sometimes you grew up not trusting other people and then you'll find it hard to be in a relationship as an adult because you learnt as a child that people don't listen to your needs. So we have, you you might have what's called, um, you you won't have secure attachment, you'll have insecure attachment or you'll avoid attachment entirely because you've never learnt what a successful 
you know, nice, warm attachment is. So there's attachment theory and there's also the modelling that you'll then bring to your relationships and whether you can deal with issues, whether you're a huggy person, whether you talk about your love or whether you don't. All these things are impacted by what you saw growing up in your parents or your caregivers. So it's a lot of it is learned behaviour. But as you pointed out at the start, that you can change your behaviour as well and you can learn to be better in your relationships. And one of the ways to do that is through therapy. A lot of people are interested in it. And um, surprisingly to me now, a lot of people are going to therapy as well now that I've been a little bit more educated on it and the prevalence of it in this country as well. It's, it's pretty interesting. So one of our listeners says that her and her boyfriend can never have a bicker. Everything turns into a massive row. She just goes quiet and waits for her boyfriend to wear himself out, shouting and giving out. The last row that they had during the week was about the amount of salt that she put in her pasta, feeling ambushed and relaxed. Any tips on how to try and stop this? And that's a hard one because what it sounds like is happening is that her partner is flooded whenever they have a conflict. It was a he, I think, is is flooded. So he sounds like he's overcome with emotion and he can't quite express himself or deal with what's going on. So he goes from maybe zero to super angry. She's afraid. She doesn't know how to either calm him or communicate with him or be heard by him. And sounds like she's not being heard by him, which is then frustrating for her. And what I would do with a couple like that in the counselling room is try to have or create rules of engagement. So let's say one partner floods. Okay, so he might need 10 minutes, 20 minutes away from each other. If you've had a disagreement, Let's agree to take half an hour apart. Let him go feel flooded, feel angry, feel whatever it is he's feeling and to self-soothe, to bring himself back down from that flooded state into a more calm state. And you'll agree with them how long does he need? And then he has to agree as part of the deal, hopefully, to then come back and talk to her about what's happened. And also what happened to him in the moment, how he felt, what triggered him, what made him go into a flooded state. And then to talk about whatever issue they were disagreeing in and when they're both calm to try to nut out whatever's happening. But it sounds like for her, she's not getting to that point. So when she feels shouted at, she possibly feels afraid or she doesn't know what to do. So as she says, she's just staying quiet and waiting for him to kind of come out of the cycle. But she's getting no resolution, you know, so that kind of argument will then stay under the surface and she might feel hurt or afraid or angry or whatever it is but she never expresses it and then they have a fight about something else and suddenly she she goes straight back those feelings are brought back up for her and she's straight back to feeling hurt and feeling angry I would say try to see a therapist if you can if you can get him to come into the room and we can talk about rules of engagement so what can you both do when there's a conflict that you both agree to and that hopefully meet both of your needs our next texter is struggling to get her partner or his partner to engage. They've asked repeatedly and he just shrugs. He just he just refuses to engage in the issue at all. And um, they're not shouting or being aggressive, but the partner just still shuts down. So it's a similar thing in a way, but just the partner's reacting in a different way. And this is what we call stonewalling. So that's when one partner shuts down, disconnects, ignores the partner. And what's happening for them, I would imagine, is in, I think it was a him, in his family of origin, he might have never seen conflict dealt with at all. So, it, Or maybe there was too much conflict and that was traumatic. But whatever is happening, when conflict happens, he doesn't know how to cope. So he just shuts down. That's his kind of safety mechanism. And he possibly learned that when he was younger for whatever reason. Um, 
And the difficulty there is that she then feels she's nowhere to go. And so there was some a study done in terms of stonewalling and it found that in a study of heterosexual couples, 85% of those who stonewalled were men. Although I have to say I can be a bit of a stonewaller so it's not that women don't do it. But it's usually in the difficulty the moment they don't know how to cope so they just shut down because that's their safety mechanism and that worked for them when they were a child if someone was angry with them. Um, again, I would say try to talk about them when there isn't a conflict or talk to them about it when there isn't a conflict, how it feels for you when they stonewall, what you would like from them if possible. Again, you might not need to agree to time apart to let your partner just absorb what's happening and come back into the room. Um, I would say counselling might help with that if you want to, again, agree rules of engagement where you're like, OK, we've had a disagreement. He is stonewalling and he needs an hour away or needs to go for a run or a walk or something and then come back an hour later or overnight or whatever it is that works for you both to come back and talk about it. But it's a hard one because, again, she probably feels a bit powerless and a bit just shut down. She can't do anything about it. It's not all couples that are texting in as well. We have a sibling here who is um, interested in your views, Helen. She recently moved in with her sister and her sister keeps trying to fight like they would when they were children. It's exhausting and annoying is there any way of changing this? I guess you'll need to talk to her but that might be difficult because she might react like a five-year-old or a ten-year-old or fifteen-year-old and it's not unusual for any of us to keep the dynamics we had when we were young like if you find if you go home at Christmas or any any kind of family event often you all slip into the same patterns where let's say your mom might ask you to do something and you might react like a child like you did when you were 12 I'm not doing that I did whatever Billy hasn't done anything you know and it's funny how you slip back into the same dynamics and it's not unusual that when someone parents you sometimes you react like a child it can happen in your relationships as well but in this situation it sounds like they're well one part one sister is is keeping going with the same dynamic as they did when they were young and the other part or the other girl sounds like she doesn't want to and I wonder can she talk to the sister when there isn't a disagreement about the dynamic she's seeing and how she feels it's just a bit odd that like we're now 20 something or 30 something (laughs) or 40 something and we're still you know living with the same dynamic as we were when we were younger you know can she talk to her outside of a conflict about how she's finding it how it feels for her talk from her own point of view about you know her experience of it and and can the sister be more aware of it? And the one thing with most things in life emotionally, once you become aware of it and conscious of it, it changes your relationship to it. So it's like with anxiety. Once you become aware that you're being very hard on yourself in your head and you start to listen to yourself and go, God, I can't do the best live show I've ever done in my whole life today when it's my first day on this show. You're like, well, be fair to yourself. And you're like, I'll do my best today and I'll see how it goes. And I'll try not to be overly hard on myself. But once you become aware of those harsh thoughts, it changes the relationship and you don't believe them as fact or you might pressure yourself a little bit less. Okay, well, Helen, I'm going to take that advice now. Thank you very much for that as well. But thank you for coming in too and for all of the wisdom and help today. We got so many questions in that unfortunately we couldn't get to, but hopefully we will be able to do that again soon. So that was Helen Vaughan, psychotherapist with Maynooth Counselling and Psychotherapy. Louise McSherry on 2FM.